Heavenly Father, what, a, what wonderful news we celebrate today, that death is defeated, that there is life eternal for all who believe in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for showing the world that message, that truth. God, would you continue to show the world that message as, as your children live according to it. Thank you, God, for the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to start off with my big idea for today. Because Jesus is alive again, our lives should look different. Because Jesus is alive again, our lives should look different. Because it is true that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to our our world to live a perfect life, to take our sin penalty upon himself, to die on the cross for us, and to be raised again to new life, it means that we have new life. It means that for those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we've also received the Holy Spirit to live in us, to strengthen us, and to guide us into what is right. It means, and this is an amazing truth that I still haven't fully comprehended. In Ephesians 1, it talks about how the same kind of power that was at work raising Jesus Christ from the dead, according to that same kind of power, there is power at work inside of us to help us live the life that God wants us to live. Because Jesus died and rose again for us, it means that our lives not only have eternal hope, it means that we have hope for today. It means that we can be strengthened for whatever God allows to come into our lives today. It means that our lives not only have eternal purpose, it means that our lives have purpose today as we walk around with Jesus Christ in all that we do. It is new life that God himself has purchased for us at great cost to himself, at great cost to his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have new life to live because Jesus is alive again. So are we living that new life? Now here is maybe where I get off my soapbox and start pointing the finger at myself and say, you know what, maybe I'm not living that new life exactly the way that I should at all times, at every moment of the day. Now think about it this way. We can all get up in the morning, have breakfast, go to work or school or stay at home, hang out with our family or our friends, have lunch, pay the bills, do something that we enjoy, watch TV, watch a basketball game. It's a good one on tonight. Have a snack, go to bed. We can all do those things. And perhaps even at no point in the day do we even think about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Now, that's not the way that it should be, But the pattern of this world is think of all the people in this world who do just that day after day after day, just going through life as usual, not considering what what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, not walking with Jesus, not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, even though we have the opportunity to live new life, a vibrant life, an abundant life, all too often we go back to life as usual, but it shouldn't be that way. Because Jesus is alive again, our lives should look different. 
But do they look different? Why or why not? We're going to look at a passage of the Bible today, Luke 24, in which the closest followers of Jesus had a hard time recognizing that Jesus was alive again. You see, Jesus conquered death, and he had even told his followers ahead of time that he was going to do so. But in between the time of his death and his resurrection, just those three short days, they had forgotten what he had said, and it looks like, for the most part, they had gone back to life as usual. They were skeptical, and they were slow to believe. And I'm sure that I probably would have been as well. I'm, so the point of my sermon today isn't to be hard on these followers of Jesus. I think we would have been right there with them probably. They started to live their lives as if Jesus were not coming back from the dead. Now I get that it was all new to them. And, and it's for us as well, we struggle in the day-to-day things of life. We struggle to remember that Jesus is alive again and that we have that kind of resurrection power at our fingertips, even inside of us. I want us to realize that Jesus is very much alive and I want us to live different lives. So we're going to walk through Luke 24 in four sections today. We're going to see people who were slow to believe in the power of Jesus and we're also going to see some things that should be true of our new life in Jesus because we have new life to live because he is alive again. So the first section that I want to read is Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. Luke 24. And uh, just one quick note before I read this. I think it's great that women were the first to see the empty tomb. I mentioned this last Sunday night at the, the resurrection event that we did. Uh, not, we didn't have a resurrection here. We, we talked about the resurrection. So, um, but I think it's great that women were the first one to see it. I, I think that God had a special place in his plan for those women to be the first. And, and I just want you women all to be encouraged to know that God has, has wonderful plans for you as well. So Luke 24, 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now, right away in verse 1, I want to ask the question, what did these women expect to find at the tomb? They were carrying spices. What were they going to do? Well, it's very clear that they went there to anoint a dead body, because that's the reason you would go to a tomb. Now again, please understand, I'm not trying to be hard on these followers. I think that I would have been slow to understand it as well. But they didn't find what they were looking for that day. They found something much better. Jesus wasn't there. The stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty. The resurrection had happened. And in verse 4 it says that they saw two men. Later on in verse uh, 23 we're going to see that these men were actually angels. 
And I love what these angels said to them in verse 5. Why do you look for the living among the dead? They went on in verses 6 to 7 to say to them, He is not here, he is risen. And they went on to explain, Don't you remember those things that he had said to you? That the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Jesus had told his followers multiple times during his time on earth that he would not only be killed, but also that he would be raised again on the third day. You can read through the four Gospels. In each of the four Gospels, it tells that story of how Jesus told his followers ahead of time what would happen to him. And then the women had their aha moment in verse 8. Then they remembered his words. And uh, it's like uh, the husband who says to his wife, Oh yeah, I guess I do remember that you told me to do that. So uh, that's, that's how these women were. They finally remembered what Jesus had said to them. But they had forgotten. Uh, and it's not just these women. In our next section, we're going to see how two of the other followers of Jesus were slow of heart to believe. Now, there's something that we should know about God in this. He is faithful to every single word he has said, to every single word that he has revealed to us, he will accomplish. For those of you who have kids or who love kids' books, it's like Horton, and Horton hatches the egg. He says, what did he say? Uh, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. God is faithful 100%. That's not what Horton said, but uh, I added that last part. We can take God at his word. And, and our lives should be continually formed by the truth that we read about in God's word. Now think about this for a moment. God has told us stuff in his word. It is all true. We can take it to the bank. God will accomplish what he has said. Yet sometimes we forget or we neglect God's word. And I, and I wonder, how did it happen for the women? How did it happen for these other followers that they had heard Jesus say these things repeatedly about how he was going to be alive again, but somehow they had forgotten those words? And it made me think, again, pointing the finger at myself here today, it made me think, what is it that I'm not believing about God and what he's already revealed to me? And it got me thinking, let me just put up some verses on the screen and let's, let's just think about these verses and think, are, are we remembering these verses? So I'm going to just do some kind of rapid-fire verses and the question I want to ask you is, are you remembering these words of Jesus? Are you living your life according to the truth of these things? So the first one is in Colossians 3.13 where it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do you remember that, that God has told us that? Now, we're thrilled when God forgives us, right? Have you ever, you ever sinned and, been, and felt, oh, I'm just, oh, I'm so sorry for that, but wow, God forgives me. But then think about that person who sins against you, and are you that quick to forgive as the Lord forgave you? Or here's another one. Jesus said this one, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Well, this one's difficult, isn't it? that Jesus told us that we are supposed to love the people around us as he has loved us. Now that's one where we would all have to say that we fall short of that standard. Yet that's the way that we're supposed to live. Or here's another one. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That comes from Romans 6.12. Sometimes when we sin, we, we're okay with it. Sometimes when we sin, we maybe look at those around us and say, oh, well, they're doing it, and maybe mine's not that bad, and maybe we let sin hang around for too long. But God has told us we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to turn away from sin. Have we forgotten those words? Or, 
I love these next verses, but they can also be really convicting. In Galatians 5:22 to 23, it says, "The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control." Do you see all of those things in your life at all times? Or are there some times where you don't show patience to the people around you? Are there some times where you, you don't have joy in the Lord like you should? So I, I think about a verse like this, and I think God has given this to us. He will produce this fruit in us as we keep in step with the Spirit, as we walk with Jesus. He will give us those things, and if there's ever a time where we're not letting out those things, it's not because God has done something wrong. So are we remembering to live like that? Or one more. At the end of Matthew 28, Jesus said, Surely I am with you always. Do you ever forget God's presence with you? Maybe it's when you're going through a difficult time and you you feel like things aren't going your way and you, you forget that God is right there with you to strengthen you. Or maybe again as we think about sin and maybe we go into something that we shouldn't go into and we forget that, that we should not go there because we are temples of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. You see, God has wonderful things for us and our lives will be changed dramatically if we, if we give our lives to Jesus and if we keep following him. Yet, um, I, I'm just struck by this idea that in this first section here, and we'll see it again in the next sections, that the women had gone back to life as usual. They expected to find Jesus still dead. They'd forgotten what he had said. Let us not be people who forget the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again, I don't want to be hard on these women. I think they got the message afterwards. But we've heard the story too. Yet we can go back to life as usual, and I don't want us to do that. Don't live as if Jesus is still in that tomb. Because Jesus is alive again, our lives should look different. Now, let's move on to the next section of Luke 24, where I want to read verses 13 through 35. This is our longest section here. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. 
Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So here again we we see these two people who were slow in heart to believe in the resurrection. They were so slow that they didn't even recognize Jesus as he was talking with them, although it does say that they were kept from recognizing him, and I don't quite understand how that all works, but, but it's true. And it's interesting that these two men were recounting what had happened to Jesus. And I wonder what Jesus was doing as they were telling him how he was handed over and crucified. And he said, yep, 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 I remember that. Yep, that hurt, yep. Um, these two men even said they hoped that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. But then they were amazed by the report that they heard about the empty tomb. And that's when Jesus chimed in in verses 25 and 26. And I want to reread those. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Jesus reminded them it had to happen this way because that's how God had foretold that it would happen. We have the written record of it. It was all God's plan. And then it says in verse 27, uh, Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And it's this verse that every theologian in the world would love to have a written transcript of. What did Jesus talk about? What scriptures did he go to as he was telling them all these things? And and maybe we know some of it, because the, the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And early on in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, we see a a sermon from Peter in which he used some Old Testament passages, Joel 2, Psalm 16, Psalm 110, to tell about who Jesus was. So it could be that those are some of the passages that Jesus went to. It could be that Jesus went to Isaiah 53, that famous passage that you hear oftentimes at Easter, where we see that um, he was pierced for our transgressions, and by his wounds we are healed, and how he was led away like a like a lamb to the slaughter. Now, we don't know exactly what Jesus said to them that day because it doesn't say that part of the story there, but what we do know is that Scripture is God's truth and what it says we should believe. Now, I I love this story here in Luke 24. These men were struggling to come to grips with what had happened in the last three days. Jesus died. How could that be? They had hoped that he was going to be their Messiah. But then there was this report that he was alive again. How could it be? Well, how it can be is because that's how Scripture said it would be. And Jesus reminded them that it had to happen that way. So let's talk some present-day application here. As we see these two men that were struggling to piece together this story, even though God had revealed it to them, and even though Jesus had repeatedly told them ahead of time what would happen. Well, for us... God has revealed his truth to us in his word. The Bible tells us who God is. It tells us who we are and how we should live. So application, we should be people who eagerly seek God in his word and who humbly submit to whatever he has for us. So that means not just reading scripture, but actually meeting with God as we read scripture. Because you see, the Pharisees, They did a great job of reading scripture, but Jesus said of them that their hearts were far away from God. So let that be a lesson to us. 
that it's possible to read scripture or possible to, to sit in a church service and have your heart be far from God. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because if we come before God with a humble heart, then we can meet with God and then God can do his powerful work to transform us. So let's be people who eagerly meet with God in his word. What does that look like for you on a daily basis even? I like to say it this way, that one of the most humble things that we can do is put ourselves before God's word, open before us, and say, God, what do you have for me? The theologian Bruce Ashford says, when we read the Bible seriously, we find that the Bible reads us. As we lay bare its pages, it lays bare our hearts. I like that. That we come before God humbly looking into his word and, and letting him do his work in our hearts. Letting him show us what's not right in our lives. Letting him lead us into ways that are right. So this isn't just about how many chapters of the Bible you read every day. This is about meeting with God, listening to his word and letting it change you. Because Jesus is alive again, our lives should look different. Let's move on to our third section now, verses 36 through 44. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So in this section, Jesus' followers get physical and and visual confirmation that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They too were slow to believe. Even as they saw him, they doubted. They thought perhaps that they were looking at a ghost. But here's something really neat about this passage. Jesus wanted his followers to know that he was alive again and that he wasn't a ghost. That's why he told them, look at my hands. That's why he told them, touch me and see. And that's why he even asked them to give him a piece of fish. And I think this is kind of funny. If they thought that Jesus was a ghost and then he was going to eat a piece of fish, what did they expect? Like the fish was just going to drop to the ground after he let go of it? Um, But he did this so that they could see it. And the, the results were in that Jesus was very much alive again. He proved the resurrection by showing himself to his followers. It's like Acts 1-3 says, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. God wants us to know that Jesus is alive again and because Jesus is alive again, our lives should look different. And I want to point out one specific way that our lives should look different from this passage. It has to do with what Jesus said, something very powerful in verse 36. So picture the story. Jesus died. His, his disciples were, were sad and probably scared. They probably started to ask themselves a bunch of questions like, what, what's the rest of my life going to look like? Am I going to get arrested and even killed like Jesus was? Or, or think about this, even spiritually. What was going on in their brains? We followed Jesus. We devoted ourselves to walking with him. And now he died. What does that mean with 
me and God. Am I okay with God now that Jesus has died? We had hoped that he was the Messiah and now he's dead. But then Jesus shows up and look what he said in verse 36. Peace be with you. I think it would be impossible to overemphasize what Jesus said here in this verse. (coughs) The fact that Jesus had just died for our sins, showing his power over sin and death and the devil, and then was raised back to life, proves that through him we can have peace with God. Peace is a really important concept in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's that Hebrew word shalom. It's that word that reminds us that God wants his people to live in peace. Now we, every single one of us, by our sin, had had shown ourselves to be rebels against God's will. We had turned our backs on God and had started walking away from him. But God loved us, even while we were sinners. So I want you to know that. If there are any of you in here that you feel like you're really far away from God, please know you can turn around. You can come to God and have peace with him because God is pleased to forgive sinners. God is pleased to forgive us when we humble ourselves before him, when we recognize Jesus as Lord, when we walk on the path that he has for us, we can live in peace with him. And because we can live in peace with God, that means that we can live in peace with other people as well. Now, there's a catch there. Sometimes other people won't let us live in peace with them, and the Bible acknowledges that. There's a verse I like that says, as far as it is possible with you, live at peace with everyone not always possible with us in regard to other people. But we can be peacemakers and we can live in peace with God. What a wonderful gift that God has given to us because again, we, we didn't earn this. We, we had earned separation from God. But in his mercy, he gives us peace and allows us to, to live with him in peace. The resurrection means peace for us. It's a fruit of the Spirit and God will give it to us. But all too often, we don't live lives of peace. Do you worry too much? It's human nature to worry, but I also think it's a sin to worry because we're commanded in the Bible not to worry. Did you know that? Or perhaps we bring the opposite of peace into our relationships with other people. Do you ever bring anger or bitterness or selfishness into your relationships with other people? You see, in Christ we have peace. He purchased it for us on the cross. Are you living in peace? Because Jesus is alive again, our lives should look different. We can have peace. Okay, now let's move on to our final section of Luke 24, verses 45 to 53. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So in this section, Jesus Jesus tells his followers two things that should be true of them as they continue on in this new life that, that God has for them, and that God has for us as well. And those two things are mission and worship. So because Jesus 
has already been raised from the dead, and because he's coming again, there are two things that our lives should be full of as we wait for him to come again. Mission and worship. Now, let's start with mission. The Great Commission is probably most famous from the book of Matthew and the book of Acts, but it shows up here as well in Luke 24. In verse 47, Jesus said, And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. (coughs) So for those of us who know Jesus, we are to be his witnesses to the rest of the world. That is God's plan, and we get to be part of it. We who know Jesus, who know the power of the resurrection, who know the power of forgiveness, should proclaim those truths to others. And it really can be just as simple as, as telling somebody what you know and what happened to you. So, for the rest of our lives, we should be talking to God about this, telling Him that we want to join with Him in His mission. We should be praying for Him to open doors. We should be praying that He would give us the words so that when the door is open, we can proclaim the gospel clearly and boldly and fearlessly. Our lives should be taken up with mission. But please know we don't do this in our own power. In verse 49, Jesus promised that he was going to send someone, the Holy Spirit. Now, for the disciples in those days, they had to wait because Jesus hadn't yet gone up to heaven. But for us, the story is different because now, now that Jesus is up in heaven, when we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, we also receive the Holy Spirit. And that means as we engage in mission, we don't do it in our own power. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think we forget that, well, I'll just point the fingers at me. I think I forget this sometimes. I I know it's, it's my responsibility to share the gospel with other people, but sometimes I forget that God gives us the Holy Spirit to strengthen us for that, to give us the words to say. So we play an important role in God's ongoing plan to bring the gospel message to the people of this world. And it's something that we should be engaged in for the rest of our lives. Mission. Now, like I said, there's two things I want to talk about in this section. The first one is mission. Let's do our part to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And then the second one I want to talk about is worship. In verse 52, it says that Jesus' followers worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem, where in verse 53, it says they continued to praise God. So this is one of the other things that our lives should be filled with as we wait for Jesus to come again, is worship. Now, when, when I say worship, I don't just mean the songs that we sing here. I say that often at Cornerstone. I want you to know that our worship for God is the lives that we live for God. 100% of what we do in this world can be worship if we're doing it the right way. Everything we do, whether we're singing songs or listening to a sermon or working or hanging out with friends or engaging in a hobby or even sleeping, and, and yes, I, I mean sleeping, we can do those things as acts of worship. We can do those things in the power of the Holy Spirit to give honor and glory to God. Now, let's take one of those, for example. Uh, take that, the time that you spend with your family or your friends. How can that be an act of worship? Well, all too often, I think, when we, when we hang out with our family or our friends, we're thinking about what they can do for us. We're, we're thinking about, what, what can I get out of this time? But if we're thinking about living our lives for worship, we can think, how can I be a blessing to them? How can I live out the fruit of the Spirit in them? Can I love them better? Can I be more patient with them? Or can I serve them as, as Jesus came to serve Can I serve those around me? So isn't that a different mindset, though? If we're around those people and we're thinking, how can I honor God 
by treating these people well, by treating these people the way that Jesus would treat them, that becomes an act of worship. And, you know, same thing would be true, even with sleep. We, we get enough sleep so that we're awake the next day so we can honor God and do the things that he has called us to do. <coughs> but what if instead we see that uh, the things that we're doing in our day aren't honoring God? We see that the things that we do are, are selfish. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit lives in us to convict us. And conviction from God is a good thing. Um, it's a little tip I would say that works in a relationship including our relationship with God, when you find out something that's not right, it's an opportunity to, to correct that. And with us and God, when he shows us something that's not right in our hearts, what we do is we go immediately to God in repentance. And even our repentance can be an act of worship. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that our sin can be worship, but the act of turning away from sin can be worship. So anytime that God points out something in your life that's not right, go to him and say, God, I'm sorry for that. Would you please strengthen me to live the right way? Please forgive me and cleanse me. So we listen and we repent. And in anything we do, anything we do, we can do it as an act of worship to God. I love Colossians 3.17 on this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How much of our lives should be taken up with this kind of worship? Look at what it says in that verse. Whatever you do, do it all. Do you see how I say now, because, our, because Jesus is alive again, our lives should look different? Everything that we do, we should do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. We should do it as if he were doing it for us. Or if he were in our shoes, we should do it the way that, that he would do it. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live lives in worship to God. This includes our obedience to him. It includes engaging in mission. It includes meeting with him in prayer. It includes meeting with him in his word, like I've been talking about earlier today, that we, we open up God's word and we say, God, what do you have for me in here? Change me according to the truth of your word. God, make me holy as I submit to your word. Everything about us should be done because of who Jesus is, because Jesus is alive again. That tomb was emptied. It never found the dead body of Jesus because he was alive again. Hundreds of people saw him alive again. There are, there are many good reasons to believe that he's alive again. Um, again, I gave that message last Sunday night. It's on our website if you want to hear more reasons to believe in the resurrection. But the best reason to believe in the resurrection is because it's true, because God did it. God wanted us to know that there is power over death, that we have life. We have eternal life, and we have life with God right now. That means our lives should look different, different than the pattern of the world around us. It's so easy for us, and I'm tempted this way too, to just go back to normal life, life as usual, the life that I can carve out for myself but Jesus didn't die for us just so that we could go back to our old life. He died for us so that we could have new life. We have powerful, soul-satisfying, abundant lives to live in Jesus Christ. The resurrection changes everything. Don't live like Jesus is still in that tomb. So is your life different? That's, the, that's what I want to end with today, is that question. Is your life different? 
Are you living out that resurrection power in your life? What would the people around you say? Would they look at you and say, now there's a person that's living like Jesus is. There's a person that's full of love and joy and peace and patience and all those good things. I want you to think about that today. Is your life different? Maybe you're the kind of person, you come here on Sunday and you agree with everything we sing about and everything we talk about and all the scripture we read, and then you go back and you live the rest of your life the way that you want it. And please just listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It shouldn't be like that. What's true on Sunday morning is, is true for the rest of the week as well. Is your life different? Do you know Jesus Christ and keep walking with him? I want you to think about that question. I want you to think about it today, even for the rest of this week. Is your life different? And I want you to talk to God about what your life can and should look like. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that in Christ we have new lives to live. God, if there's anyone in here who's just unsure if they have that new life, we we just say right now, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die for our sins and we pray to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. And God, for all of us in here, we just uh, come before you and say, I want to continue with Jesus Christ as my Lord. God, help me not to live my life just according to my own pattern, the things that I want, the things that I can get for myself. God, we pray that we would all submit our lives to you and that we would live according to your truth and that you would empower us to live for you. Thank you, God, that we don't have to go back to life as usual, to normal life, because Jesus is alive again and we can have new life, powerful life. God, we we give you full right to point out whatever you want to point out in our hearts, in our lives, today, this week, for the rest of our lives. May we be people who listen to you and follow you as we walk around in newness of life, that life that was purchased for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.